You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different with author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hi, listeners. Welcome to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, your host for the hour. And quite an hour it's going to be. We start off with a fascinating story. Uh, we have a guest who is a scholar. Her name is Chloe Taft. She's a professor at Yale. She's written a book about the casino industry in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and how it was really built out of the ashes of the Bethlehem steel plant that was there for many generations. She's going to talk to us about that. I think you'll find it fascinating. I know I really enjoyed the book, From Steel to Slots, and I think you'll enjoy listening to her. And then we are fortunate enough to have an interview with Joe McKeon, the new crowned champion of poker, the winner of the main event of the World Series of Poker. So stay tuned. Tired of hitting the casino floor and playing the same old table games time after time? Well, there's a new and exciting table game coming to casinos, and it's called Casino Over Under. Casino Over Under combines the thrill of sports betting with the excitement of blackjack. It's easy to learn and incorporates the over-under concept of sports betting in a simple and fluid manner. Casino Over Under is undeniably faster than ordinary blackjack. There are fewer decisions to make, and all of them are fairly easy and exclusive of the other players at the table. Fewer decisions means faster gameplay, and that means more hands. And with payouts as high as 50 to 1, more hands means more winning. Head on over to CasinoOverUnder.com to learn more and stay up to date on where you can play this exciting game. You can even play Casino Over Under on your iPhone with its social app. Casino Over Under. Simple, fast, and fun. Play it now at the Magnolia Bluffs Casino Hotel in Natchez, Mississippi. And coming to casinos near you. Must be 21 years or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BABE16 at checkout, and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code BABE16. That's B-A-B-E-16 at adamandeve.com. Hey, it's Dave from House of Cards, and I'm here to tell you about my experience with my pillow. I'm sure you've seen or heard the inventor Mike Lindell talking about his hugely successful product made in the USA all over TV and radio. Now, I have the world's worst back, and I've always gotten up in the morning with pain and a stiff neck. Since using MyPillow, it's gone. It's amazing. And listen to this. Mike is offering a four-for-one deal. Order now. You'll get two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere travel pillows, all for the price of one MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-319-7913, click on or mention Radio Listener Special, and use promo code CARDS, that's C-A-R-D-S, at checkout. MyPillow comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee, a 10-year warranty, you can wash and dry it, and it even stays cool all night. That's the Radio Listener Special at MyPillow.com or call 800-319-7913 and use promo code CARDS. You're listening to the House of Cards. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, get out. All right, I'll play. Join us online at houseofcardsradio.com. Are we going to play poker? So, the poker game has begun. 
Hi, listeners. Welcome back. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And uh, those of you who listen to this show, and frankly, even those of you who don't, may know that we like to have on our show not just professional poker players, but also people who are very smart and knowledgeable about the gambling industry in all its places. We have one of those very smart people on today. She has written a book, Casino Capitalism in the Post-Industrial City, from steel to, actually it's called From Steel to Slots, Casino Capitalism in the Post-Industrial City. She is a postdoctoral assistant known colloquially as a postdoc at Yale in the American Studies Department. How's that for credentials? And she's here to talk to us about her book. Chloe Taft, are you there? I'm here. Terrific. Well, tell our listeners what the book From Steel to Slots is, because I think once you talk about it, they will be as engaged in it as I was when I read it. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, the book is basically a case study of a community in Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, that was the headquarters for the Bethlehem Steel Corporation for about 100 years um, and is now host to an industrial-themed casino that's located on the site of the former steel plant. Um, run by Las Vegas Sands. And so that's where the title of the book, From Steel to Slots, comes from. It's kind of a, a look at this transition from a community that had once based its economy on manufacturing to kind of a 21st century economy based on service, entertainment, and the finance industry. In a way, Chloe, is it fair to say that this casino is a microcosm of what's going on across the United States? Is that fair to say, or would you say that's not accurate? I think that's fair to say. I think it, it highlights a growing trend, especially in the mid-Atlantic and in New England, where a lot of post-industrial cities are turning to um, commercial casinos as a way to drive redevelopment. Um, we're seeing this coming online in Everett, Massachusetts, for example, on a former Monsanto plant. Um, also in Springfield, there'll be a casino. So a lot of um, states and cities have turned to the promise of the new jobs that can be created and the new tax revenue that could be generated um, and, and are looking to casino um, gambling, or what I call casino capitalism, as a way to fill budget uh, shortfalls. Now, you're a scholar, but you must have some opinion about whether, as a matter of public policy, this conversion is a good thing, a bad thing, or a mixed thing. Um, it's a complicated question, which I think is probably why I'd come come in on the mixed thing. Um, a lot of residents and even city officials in Bethlehem, for example, uh, will call this a Faustian bargain, where um, we're allowing a global casino corporation to come into the community, a corporation with deep pockets that can, that can get some development going, is in a way um, a trade-off to spur additional job growth and additional development. So in Bethlehem, for example, there was a long and contentious debate in this town over whether it should allow a casino to come in. Um, we see this happening in other cities too, but in Bethlehem it's perhaps more pronounced because the city was founded as a Moravian religious settlement and still has that heritage um, very much at the fore. So um, there's a lot of people who would say that, that the money that a casino generates is not as anchored in place perhaps as it had been when you had a um, more locally committed corporation focus there. Um, but uh, cities are kind of increasingly looking for ways to try to anchor some of this very mobile capital in place by um, either requiring or ha somehow ensuring that these global casino corporations are investing in local community resources beyond just the casino building itself. When I read your book, From Steel to Slots, I was struck by how it seemed, at least, that the Sands Corporation uh, did it right to pay attention to doing it in a way that, uh, given different choices, they made the right choices about how to integrate it into the city and how to involve the community. Is that a correct assessment? And what do you think about how they went about converting from the old steel mill, the steel, I guess, as it was called, into a casino? Did they do it right or did they make some serious mistakes? Well, I think there's a reason why there are contingents from Springfield, say, who have traveled to Bethlehem to see what has happened there with the casino. In some ways, it is a positive model. Um, it's somewhat more integrated into the community geographically compared to other casinos that are often located on the periphery um, near highway ramps. Um, 
But, but in talking to residents, and the majority of this book is based on dozens of interviews I did um, with residents and city officials and casino dealers and historic preservationists, for example, often they would refer to um, this, the industrial theming of the casino, for example, as a form of appeasement, kind of a way for the corporation to get a foot in the door to legitimate itself to a community that's very steeped in this industrial history. And so um, what was interesting learning about the theme of this casino, which, for instance, the Sands insignia is, is placed on an ore crane, a giant ore crane that was original to the site, the theming isn't necessarily designed to attract outside tourists um, who may have no connection or knowledge of the Bethlehem Steel history, but it was a way to connect to the community itself and kind of get that corporate legitimation, um, get the approval from city council to be able to locate on this site. Okay, fair enough. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with more House of Cards. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a -a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a pro-caliber poker table. Pro-caliber tables are made with the highest quality gaming suede on the market. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now, you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a Pro-caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, that's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, when you check out at ProCaliber.com or when ordering by phone at 24025-POKER, 24025-POKER. That's 240-257-6537. ProCaliber Poker Tables. Stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. You're listening to the House of Cards. How lucky you are. With Ashley Adams. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Who the hell do you think you are? Hi, listeners. Welcome back to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, your host for the hour. Our listeners, by the way, if you just tuned in, we're talking to scholar and a postdoc at Yale, Chloe Taft, who's written a fascinating book, From Steel to Slots. What lessons can we learn about how to um, do the casino thing correctly and incorrectly by looking at what they did in Bethlehem? If you could distill out a few things that they did right and maybe a few things that, boy, if you're going to do this, uh, don't do it like they did it in this regard. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, the gesture, at least, to the community history and to some of the concerns that locals had about having this um, casino located um, just down the street from residential neighborhoods, for example, that's been a positive development. Um, there's also been a number of jobs created. About 3,000 jobs have been created where, again, this was a 1,600-acre brownfield um, before. So there's been some job creation. I think when you talk to former steelworkers, for example, in the community, some of whom now work at the casino, they often see some some downsides to the types of jobs that have been created, which may be lower wage um, than steelwork and which are not unionized, for example. And this is a town with a very long history of union representation that was hard fought for. Um, So now you have security guards at this casino who are trying to get recognized by a fiercely anti-union corporation. Um, I think another lesson, perhaps, that could be learned is the fact that this agreement between the the casino and the community of Bethlehem, um, while it was dependent on a pitch for historic preservation, that aspect, in terms of preserving other industrial buildings on the site, has lagged to some degree, and, and there's no real written commitment um, to reusing some of these industrial buildings, as was promised back in 2005. Um, something I think that's positive that's happening in Massachusetts, by contrast, is there are written agreements with the host communities to get some of these community developments um, 
put in place in a more uh, concrete way. Right. I think you're right. If it's not written down, who knows whether it's going to be followed. And so right, right. That's right. And so, so I know the community is quite anxious right now, waiting for a new master plan to emerge from Las Vegas, and it's unclear when that's going to happen. I have a, a couple of more personal questions for you, Chloe. Uh, writing a book can change people's lives. Did you find that writing this book, From Steel to Slots, changed your life? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, the book is based primarily on interviews I did, and so I got to talk to a really wide range of people in Bethlehem and beyond. Um, I actually first got interested in this project because my grandfather used to work at Bethlehem Steel, and my grandparents lived in Bethlehem um, from 1961 to 1994, so I grew up visiting there. But, um, but one thing I learned was that I should have asked all these questions of my grandparents before it was too late, and, and I really did enjoy going back and learning more about a town that they had spent so much time in and learning more about the experience there and, and getting to meet such a wide range of residents who are deeply committed to the future of this community. So when you get your, well, you've already gotten a uh, position at Yale, would you consider going back and living in Bethlehem and being a professor at some you know, nearby city like at Franklin and Marshall in Lancaster or any of the number of colleges or universities in Bethlehem, or is it not a place for you? Oh, I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I actually, I really enjoyed my time living in Bethlehem. While I was doing the research, I was a full-time resident for a total of about six months, um, and then I made frequent shorter trips back and forth um, from Connecticut. But, but my position here at Yale as a postdoc is a short-term position, so I'm always open to new opportunities. And um, it's, it's, as I write in the book, um, some of the, the impact of redevelopment there has been a bit uneven in terms of who benefits, but um, Bethlehem is often held up as a success story in terms of post-industrial revitalization. The, the casino has jump-started um, the construction of an art center, for example, that's very popular. Um, there's a new kind of high-line type trail that connects the blast furnaces with some of the other industrial buildings and eventually will connect to the casino. So, so there has been some really interesting ancillary development that really takes advantage of that industrial heritage in a unique way. Well, I'm very curious to know, now that you've written about this really extraordinary transition that took place, do your interests run in totally different directions? Like, are you done with the whole casino gambling stuff, and are you moving into something else, or are you going to do another book about casino gambling someplace else? Uh, you know, it's an open question. I'm certainly following the, this trend of casino development or casino-led urban development, especially in post-industrial communities. And I'm anxious to see how the Massachusetts situation in New York um, shakes out, for example, as we get kind of a gaming arms race with so many states hopping on board. Um, but I'm also interested in, in how these former industrial sites um, and post-industrial landscapes are continually being reshaped by the residents and the corporations who locate there. Um, and so I'm also, you know, doing some research into a former steel site in Chicago right now, for example. Huh. Could you see yourself uh, working for the gambling industry as somebody who does um, in-depth analysis of how to bridge the two worlds from the uh, industrial era to the post-industrial era? Like if the Sands Corporation said, how would you like to be an in-house uh, research scholar for us? Uh, would you consider that or are you really firmly planted in academia? Uh, I'm, I'm certainly interested in the ways that my academic background can contribute positively to real-world um, developments. And so in terms of kind of the urban planning angle, um, I certainly wouldn't rule out working for a casino corporation, but I'd certainly want to be involved as perhaps a liaison for seeing how communities can get the most benefit and the most local benefit out of um, these global casino corporations' presence in town. Well, that's great. Now, is your book available for just for commercial uh, purchase, or is it really just a scholarship uh, exercise that you can find in scholarly libraries across the country, or can people buy it on Amazon.com? Oh, absolutely. It's it's available on Amazon or or your online bookseller of choice. Um, it's published by an academic press, but it's very much written to be accessible to a wider population um, that's interested in this trend and this trend of uh, casino development and also just the redevelopment of post-industrial communities and how they transition from an industrial past to a different future. 
Well, I can testify to the fact that it is eminently readable. It does not read like a scholarly tome that you have to be a scholar to uh, access all of the interesting stories. You have a lot of interesting characters throughout the book. I forget the guy's name, but this guy that's always kind of brought out as the example of the guy that used to be in the old world and now is in the new, and they kind of bring him out to public functions. I forget what his name was. What was the guy's name? Uh, well, in the book, I call him Bernie Hovan. Okay, which yes. I should note the names are pseudonyms. Yes, but, um, well, Bernie is like this guy that in, in many worlds you see people like that who is uh, kind of used by the industry as the the real person, and he becomes a caricature, I think, of himself. But the book is very, very interesting, <clears throat> even to the layman like me who doesn't really have much scholarship in this area. I found it fascinating. How long did it take you to write? Well, I, I did the majority of the research between 2009 and 2013. Oh, my um, God. And then, Four and years. And then I spent, I spent a couple years writing it, and, and the publishing process takes some time as well. Um, but I got it out to the public as fast as I could. <laughs> well, congratulations to you. It's, a, I think, a wonderful book. It's a fascinating topic. Uh, Chloe Taft, I hope people go out and buy From Steel to Slots. And I hope in 20 years' time, when you write your next book, you'll come back on House of Cards. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Listeners, that was Chloe Taft, who uh, teaches at Yale and has written From Steel to Slots, which is a great story about the transition from the steel industry to the casino world in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Attention poker players! Do you like using your tablet or phone at the poker table, but hate running out of battery at the end of a long tournament day or cash game? Then you need the Grinder Gadget. The Grinder Gadget is a portable, compact charging station and stand designed by poker players for poker players. It gently grips the rail and allows you to prop up and charge your phone or tablet without touching the felt. The Grinder Gadget not only works well on a poker rail, but just about anywhere an airplane tray, a desk, anywhere. No more setting up your tablet on some wobbly table or leaving it on the floor. Its battery is powerful enough to charge most tablets and phones and still have plenty of juice left over for your headphones or any other device you have. You can even purchase a backup battery for those extra long sessions or trips. So if you like to grind while you grind, the Grinder Gadget is exactly what you've been waiting for. Check out www.grindergadget.com for more information. Get grinding and stay grinding with the Grinder Gadget. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask, we are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find a game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. We're very interested in them. And of course, if they're particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of mailbag. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com dot com slash HOC radio. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to let you know about a newspaper in the New England area. If you're looking for poker tournaments or the latest promotions at Foxwoods, Mohegan Sun, Twin River, or if you want to find out what's happening in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, or other casinos around the country, then I recommend you check out New England Gaming News for all the latest news, events, and hot casino action from around the region. You can do that in one of two ways. You can either pick up their free copies at gambling venues throughout New England, or you can visit them at www.thenegn.com and sign up for exclusive specials and promotions. That's www.thenegn.com. The N-E-G-N, T-H-E-N-E-G-N dot com. The New England Gaming News, New England's only resource for complete casino and poker news. Need to sell your house fast? We're Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people. You've seen our big yellow billboards with our caveman Ugg. 
But did you know that Homevestors is America's number one home buyer? At Homevestors, we can buy your house as is, pay you cash, and usually pay most of the closing costs, and we close fast. Call today for your no obligation consultation and get out of that ugly real estate situation. If your house needs repairs, you're ready to downsize, tired of renters and those rental property repairs, retiring, experiencing a job transfer, inherited a property, or just need to sell your house fast, do what thousands of satisfied Homevestor customers have done. Call Homevestors today for a no-obligation consultation at 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. We'll close fast and pay cash. So what are you waiting for? Call Homevestors today. 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of June 13th, 2016. The recently shut down Shobo Casino Hotel in Atlantic City will reopen next month, but there's going to be something different about it. It will not be a casino. Philadelphia developer Bart Bladstein said the property will retain the name of Showboat, with over 850 hotel rooms open to the public starting in July. Bladstein has been buying non-gambling properties in the seaside town in the hope that the city will become more diversified and less dependent on gambling. In Knoxville, Tennessee, a federal judge sentenced George Marcus Hall to 33 months in prison for running an illegal gambling ring. Court documents say Hall, the owner of Mark Nelson Denham, used personal and business bank accounts to hide the proceeds of the gambling ring, which made him more than $2,000 a day. Hall and two co-defendants allegedly hired more than 20 people to take illegal bets from gamblers. And finally, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf has signed a new bill into law which will affect how casino goers drink. The law creates an option for casinos which will allow them to get a license to serve alcohol 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Politicians hope that the new law will be in full effect by Labor Day. Congratulations, Pennsylvania. You may now drink around the clock while you gamble. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. Want some more excitement in your life? Sign up at virgincasino.com with promo code VIRGIN and you'll get up to $100 real cash back, plus for a limited time, $10 in free bonus money to play with. Enjoy slot and casino games like Wheel of Fortune, Cleopatra, Monopoly, Blackjack, and much more. Play on desktop or mobile device with our iOS and Android apps. Must be 21 and over and located in New Jersey. New patrons only. $10 minimum deposit and a wager required to qualify for $100 real cash back. Bonus money must be played through one time before withdrawal. Rules and dates apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. You're listening to the House of Cards. Whoa! I think we got a show. Oh, yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. Oh, yeah, there's a show. Hey, it's all about ratings, baby, and we got them. Welcome back, listeners. As promised, we are lucky enough to have the winner of the main event of the World Series of Poker, Joe McKeon, who is joining us by phone. Joe, are you there? Yep. Hi. Hi. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I guess I want to ask you first, Joe, a question that everybody must be asking you, which is, how does it feel? You just won the main event of the World Series of Poker. How are you feeling? It feels pretty good. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's fully hit me yet, but I just got home yesterday, so I think it will hit me in the next couple of days. What did you do right after winning? Did you party? Did you go to sleep? Did, what did you do? Yeah, we partied for a little while, and then uh, and I ate and went to sleep afterwards. I was pretty exhausted, especially after the party. I imagine you must have been absolutely wiped out, though I can only I, you can only imagine how it must have been for the guys before they implemented the long hiatus period. Uh, that oh, must yeah. have, that must have been incredible. Um, but for our listeners, most of whom know you by now because they watched the event, but fill us in. Tell us how you came to poker and how you came to be a professional. Uh, yeah, I watched it on TV when I was younger. And I dabbled online a little bit. And then um, I was making some money, so I decided to quit my job as a cashier after when I uh, went to college and just decided to play for for my income. And was there one moment where this came to you as an epiphany, or how did you actually make the decision to go from what you had been doing to quitting your job and being a pro? Uh, it was definitely like, I was sitting at my minimum wage job and then I would, I was making a lot more money online. So like I'd make like two or $3,000 and the next day I'd have to be up and go to a minimum wage, a minimum wage job to make $40 a day. And I'm <laughs> thinking, yeah, in the same amount of time I made 50 times as much money. I think this seems like a no brainer to me. So what was the first thing that happened once you quit your day job that convinced you, you had made the right decision? Um, I won a tournament online, actually, the very next weekend. It was the first weekend I had free in years because I didn't have a job anymore. So I, I, it, it, the benefits came very fast. I see. Well, that was good. Do you see yourself now, is this now your permanent career path in your mind, or are you still figuring, maybe I'll do this for a few years, but then I have something else I really want to do? But for now, this is it. I, I haven't really struck another interest yet, but down the line, I, if something pops up i wouldn't hesitate to make the change okay fair enough do you have have you already sat down and mapped out your tournament schedule for the next year or are you still just saying i'm going to hold off on making any plans for a while no i i, I got nothing man I, I just got home pretty much this morning so I, I haven't really had any time to do any of that in the next couple of days i'll hopefully be able to know what i'm doing for at least the rest of the year Okay, well, I have some more questions on your background. These came from listeners. Um, how do you mentally and physically prepare yourself? How did you prepare yourself for this event? Anything special you went through that made this different from other tournaments? No, not really. I was doing the same thing I was with all the other tournaments, just trying to get some sleep, although as the tournament went on, that got a little harder. Uh, I generally didn't eat until the dinner break, and then afterwards, after the day was over, we'd go get some quick food, come home, eat it, and try to go to sleep. I see. Did you do any special prep in the hiatus period to get you ready for the final table? Yeah, toward the end, I, uh, I had a coach, and we, uh, we lived together for a couple weeks, and we just did a lot of stuff. We went over some old final tables, and we did some simulations, and it, all, it was all pretty beneficial. How did you find the coach? Uh, he was a friend of mine. Ah, okay. Did you do any recon on the other players you were against, or did you pretty much just work on your game? No, we did a lot of – we did as much studying as we could on all the other players. Uh, since the broadcast came out, we could see some of the hands they played and kind of the mannerisms they decided to make during those hands. So it, it was definitely helpful. So you actually found some tells, some mannerisms that helped give you a window into the true strength of their hand? It gave me a basis to start on. Fair enough. I, I have this question from a listener. They ask, <laughs> this is kind of bizarre, but if you were to enter into a heads-up tournament with both you and your opponent starting with equal, equal stacks, which of the November 9 would you least want to face and which would you most want to face in a heads-up tournament? Um, <laughs> I thought uh, Zvi was going to be very tough, so I... I didn't really want to face him. Uh, going heads up, I think I'd probably want to end up playing uh, Buderoni since I don't think he's had any experience heads up before. There you go. That's a good straight answer. Um, 
Somebody else wondered this, and, and Joe, I'm not necessarily agreeing with their read of you, but they said that your TV persona seemed to be somewhat prickly, and they wanted to know if you had created that image or if that's really the way you are. I was just clowning around a lot. It was a good way to kind of take the pressure off of the pressure. Fair enough. And uh, I was just having fun. If you were actually in the uh, theater when it was going on, I was making funny faces for the cameras and everything. Yeah, like it, it, it was a lot. It came off a lot worse on TV than it did in person. I see. Did you become friends with any of those guys at the at the final table, or do you just kind of go off into your world? Uh, well, I I was friends with a couple of these guys before uh, we ended up making the final nine, and we're still friends. Um, I'm pretty sure I gained more friends because of it. You know, anytime we're in the same location, it's going to be something we went through together kind of like a brotherhood so to speak yes i guess that makes sense did you have any kind of poker uh experiences that you're not going to do anymore for example a home game that you used to play in that now that you're the world's champ so to speak you don't think you're going to show up to the home game anymore anything that you're not going to be doing now that you are you know wearing the bracelet i'm not actually sure um when i made the final nine i kind of played a bit less than I was before that, and I'll probably continue to do the same. Anybody make any proposals to you to manage your career or to uh, get you to invest money since you won? Uh, well, I have a sponsor in 88, and they've been great in all of that stuff. Uh, they've pretty much taken care of everything for me, and it's, it's just been great. Well, that's terrific. Do they also manage your investments and the like, or do you have somebody separate for that, or haven't you even dealt with that issue yet? I haven't dealt with that issue yet, but I have I have guys. So, okay, well that's good. Do you have any plans to make any purchases? Uh, not right off the bat. Uh, maybe in a little while, I might consider buying a condominium somewhere. I see, but you don't have an eye on a Maserati or a Lamborghini or anything like that to drive around in. Nah, I bought a car last year, so I don't need one for ten years. Hopefully, what do you drive around in? I have a Prius. Ah, how appropriately modest, right? <laughs> uh, for those that can't figure it out, we're talking to Joe McKeon, who is the, uh, as I like to say, the world's champion of poker. Of course, it is only one tournament. It's the main event. Short of this, Joe, what was the biggest thrill that you had in your poker career up until now? Oh, well, the year before I got second in the first monster stack they ran for a lot of money. It was the first time I was playing on camera. That was pretty fun. And what do you think changes now that you've won this event? Do you think anything changes? A lot is going to change. I'm a little more recognizable um, <laughs> to start with. So I've been giving a lot of interviews ever since the tournament concluded. So uh, I don't expect that to change in the near future. And it's cool to have the experience. Do you get any? Uh, do you get any? advertising stuff like uh, Omega Watches wanting to hire you or Ford Motor Corporation? Are you going to be the spokesperson for any brands as far as you know? I, I would be surprised if that happened. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, my goodness. Look what happened to uh, Greg Raymer and other people. They got uh, all sorts of ad deals. Well, that's to be worked out later on, I suppose. Um, that, was, that was a long time ago. It's a much different time now. That's true. That's true. Looking down the road, what's left now that you've achieved this? Do you see any other kind? Do you want to win another bracelet? Is that would be your next goal, or is winning a uh, on a World Poker Tour event on your screen? I'd like to do all that stuff. I'm going to try my hardest in the next couple of months to do that. Really? So you're going to get right back into major tournament play quickly? I think so. Once I get home and kind of situate everything, I'll be, I'll be around. First person to congratulate you when you were done? Uh, probably Josh. Okay, I guess that was. Family members? Yeah, they were all there at the stage. You know, it was a great experience. A lot of uh, Josh Israel also knew me personally. So, I got another listener question, which is somewhat technical, so bear with me. When faced with an action decision to call, call, raise, or fold, how much did you rely on following 
on the following to estimate the strength of your opponent's hand. So which of these three things did you use more than the others? Pure math, <laughs> tells in the moment, or betting patterns? Um, probably the last two. There's not that much pure math in the game. Uh, and the betting patterns and pure math are not the same, but they're related. Um, you know, if I could look at a guy and kind of figure out if he was stronger or weaker, I definitely went with that. And the betting patterns were just good to have in case someone did something weird, basically. And, uh, again, it's just a lot of it was based off my instincts. Okay. Fair enough. I have one last question for you before we end the interview, and that is people have seen you, they've watched you, they've read about you, they've heard about you. What is one thing you would want poker players to know about you that they wouldn't normally know from what they've seen so far? One thing about Joe McKeon that people wouldn't necessarily know about you? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't really do drugs or anything. I'm, I'm a pretty, I live a reasonably clean life. Well, good. I think that's a good place to end, Joe. I wish you a great deal of success, and I hope we talk to you after your next major victory. Me too. <laughs> okay, good luck to you, Joe, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Listeners, we just talked with Joe McKeon. He is the winner of the main event of the World Series of Poker, if you've been living in a cave. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Hi, listeners. It's Ashley Adams, and I wanted to take a minute to talk about my pillow. I'm sure you've seen or heard the commercials about this hugely successful product made in the USA. Sleeping well, I've found, contributes to playing poker well. And I can tell you that this pillow, my pillow, which I've been using, has helped me sleep longer and more deeply. And now my pillow is offering a four for one deal. You can get two my pillow premiums and two go anywhere travel pillows, all for the price of one my pillow. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-319-7913, click on or mention Radio Listener Special, and use promo code CARDS, C-A-R-D-S, at checkout. MyPillow comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee, a 10-year warranty, and you can even wash and dry it. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation. That's the Radio Listener Special at MyPillow.com or call 800-319-7913 and use promo code cards tired of hitting the casino floor and playing the same old table games time after time well there's a new and exciting table game coming to casinos and it's called casino over under casino over under combines the thrill of sports betting with the excitement of blackjack it's easy to learn and incorporates the over under concept of sports betting in a simple and fluid manner casino over under is undeniably faster than ordinary blackjack there are fewer decisions to make, and all of them are fairly easy and exclusive of the other players at the table. Fewer decisions mean faster gameplay, and that means more hands. And with payouts as high as 50 to 1, more hands means more winning. Head on over to CasinoOverUnder.com to learn more and stay up to date on where you can play this exciting game. You can even play Casino Overunder on your iPhone with its social app. Casino Overunder. Simple, fast, and fun. Play it now at the Magnolia Bluffs Casino Hotel in Natchez, Mississippi, and coming to casinos near you. Must be 21 years or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's JerseyManMagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. 
previously on House of Cards. They were very rude, and um, they kicked me out. Really? They, they kicked me out of <laughs> About a minute and a half later, two very large guys came up behind me as I was seated, and they said, Sir, you'll have to come with us. You've been asked to leave. House of Cards has secretly obtained the audio from this Las Vegas poker room. Here's the poker room manager's instructions to his staff upon seeing Ashley. I see you. I see you. You hit that in the face really f***ing hard. Sorry, man. Ow! 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 House of Cards, spreading love wherever we go. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're still listening to House of Cards, and this is my favorite segment when I'm joined uh, in studio by my handsome co-producer, Dave Weishattle. And what do we have today, Dave? Well, I think everyone wants to know about your your fresh off your long journey through the 50 states. That's right. Poker rooms. That's <laughs> right. Well, I got to say, I am done. It is done. I have finished it. It is completed. 50 states. I've played poker in every one of them. Um, my last two, for those of you who have not been fo- following this Long saga. My last two were Boy, uh, Idaho, where I played in Boise, and there's a funny story to go with that, and Oregon, mm-hmm. and there's a story to go with that. I, I got to tell you, I'm impressed that you found something in Idaho. because Have boy, you been to Idaho? No, I haven't. Well, shame on you then. Shame but on you. Idaho is a great state. It, it's, hey, I'm a big fan of potatoes. So if that you know, uh, you know, that's you know, like when people say they're from Boston. The other guy the says, "Oh, from Boston," because <laughs> all they know is Boston. I'm from New York. Oh, you're from New York. Um, I'm from Boston. You like beans? I mean, what a <laughs> moronic thing to say. I, I well, like potatoes. <laughs> There's so. so much more to Idaho. Than- I, I hear good skiing. I hear I hear about that. Well, that's, and apparently that's good. good poker. <laughs> Here's the here's the deal. From one who has been there, you've now, been there, yeah. I've oh. been there. Um, I found a game. I actually found two games. Uh, the second of the two was the less dramatic of the stories. I have a friend whom I play with on Thursday nights, who shall remain nameless, and he has a friend. And this is this is all true. He has a friend who lives in Boise, not even really a friend, kind of an acquaintance, whom he called. His acquaintance knew a guy. Knew a guy who knew a guy. Who knows a guy who's in a game. (laughs) So my friend's acquaintance gave my friend the name of the guy who knew a guy. I called the guy who gave me the name of the guy. I called the guy, and he said, I'll meet you at the game. And together we went into a 1-2 no-limit game with a $700 maximum buy-in, and I was blown away. Really, really, almost quite literally, um, by the high quality of the players. And as I'm heading in with this friend, uh, this mm-hmm. guy who knows him, <laughs> he says to me, "Doesn't say really anything except watch your step in there." I said, "What?" He said, <laughs> "Just in case you don't know, these are some of the best players in all of this part of the country. So watch your step." Play tight, aggressive poker. Don't take anything for granted. Don't give off any tells. And for God's sakes, um, just watch your bankroll. I said, wow. Are they collusion, (laughs) cheating? He said, no, 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 no. They're just excellent players. And sure enough, three of the players in this game were pros. Three were solid regulars. And three were just very, 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 very tight. So I had a real hard time and would have lost $500 were it not for my last hand, after which I just left, happy to be leaving up anything. Wow. So that was the, uh, the less interesting of you know, the two You know, it would stand to reason that there are no casinos in Idaho. So that's right. if there's a home game, chances are there will be some pretty good players there because that's well, the only game you know, in town, literally. You're smarter than I was because I figured I would be up against uh, unseasoned country bumpkins, just uh, uh, habitual gamblers, uh, bad players, and I was dead wrong. Good thing the guy yeah. warned me because I was playing my A game, but it wasn't good enough to dominate these players. So there you go. Did you tell him how much you like potatoes? Just to, en- <laughs> just to endear yourself. <laughs> uh, my first game, though, when I first arrived, I had taken advantage of my ethnicity because I sent a, an email to the synagogue. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, this is and the... And I said, I'm a Jew. Yeah. I'm from out of town. I'm looking for a place to pray. And, oh, by the way, I'm interested in playing poker, if anybody plays poker. So I got an email back from the rabbi. Mm-hmm. The rabbi writes, Dear Mr. Adams, thank you for your inquiry. Unfortunately, the days that you are going to be in Boise, our synagogue does not offer any services. But I do have a poker game. (laughs) Uh, The rabbi and six other members of the congregation, and we played, I'm not exaggerating, the lowest stake poker I have played since high school. Really? In fact, it was the stakes we played in high school, nickel, dime, quarter, literally. It was a lot of fun because people took it seriously. It wasn't like just throw your money in. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and they took it seriously. If somebody raised a quarter, somebody else would say, well, what are you so proud of? You know, like a quarter was a lot of money. Yeah, too rich for my blood. Too rich for my (laughs) blood, right. And I had a great time. I finished exactly even. Come back next week. Until then, good luck and good night. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.